Good morning. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Welcome to Real Time with IPELRA, a podcast dedicated to HR topics in local government. I'm Megan Solera. And I'm Christina White. Thanks for joining us. Today, on this unprecedented day of recognition in our nation's history, we are going to be taking a little bit of a pivot and talking about how to be prepared for a surprise visit from OSHA. Before we get to our topic and our guest speaker today, I want to let you know about some upcoming trainings we have with IPELRA. Just this week, on Thursday, we have Compassion Fatigue, how we can recognize the signs of mental illness in some of our first responders. We also have the award-winning Employment Law Seminar available for registration on the IPELRA website, as well as supervisor training coming up in February. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce today's guest speaker, Loss Control Consultant for Alliant, and overall amazing human being, Dane Mall. Dane, good morning. How are you today? Oh, good morning. Good morning. Such a great introduction as always, Megan. Thank you. You are welcome. Well, we are so grateful that you are able to spend time with us today on this uh, most historic day um, in our nation's history. So, Likewise. Um, Again, taking a little pivot, it seems like Christina and I were talking offline before we started this morning um, that we're just scared to death that OSHA is going to come knocking on our doors. It seems that a lot of our colleagues are getting these phone calls or these surprise visits from OSHA. Um, where do we even start? Who, who enforces OSHA in the state of Illinois for public entities? How do we get started here? Well, you know, first and foremost, I guess, you know, you're not alone in, in having that anxiety about uh, an OSHA visit. Um, it's not something that everybody is uh, uniquely familiar with in terms of uh, OSHA safety compliance and regulations. And when we start hearing about our neighboring communities that have been visited uh, by OSHA, we start to kind of say, well, gosh, what, what do we need to do at our public entities in order to be able to, to respond? And I guess first and foremost, it, it's probably appropriate to talk about who enforces OSHA in the state of Illinois. And because it is, it is different. And as public entities, we are uh, enforced by uh, Illinois OSHA, which is uh, in, administered by the Illinois Department of Labor. And Illinois has been an OSHA state, as it's called, for a little over 10 years now. And because of that, um, uh, public entities, there's a, approximately a million public employees in the state of Illinois. Uh, almost 700,000 of those uh, represented by municipalities and, and uh, another big chunk that's represented by the state of Illinois. All of those public entities are by, if you will, or enforced by Illinois OSHA. So I'll use the term Illinois OSHA and OSHA uh, interchangeably because the, the regulations are exactly the same. So in order to become an Illinois uh, state plan, as they say, or an OSHA state plan, you have to adopt all of the federal uh, OSHA regulations. So when we talk about OSHA, what we're talking about is the, the state of Illinois and Illinois OSHA. Okay. So it's quickly, it's very easy to think OSHA, oh, what a pain. Um, but we need to remember that this came about um, for safety reasons. So even though it sounds like our 
forefathers or somebody voted for us to be an OSHA state. It was for a good reason. Absolutely. And, and there's, uh, I think it's around 20, maybe 21 states that also have state plans that are similar to Illinois' uh, OSHA plans. So uh, it, it's not, um, you know, that unheard of in, in, our, uh, in the United States. Okay. Well, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this. Why now, during a pandemic, when we're all running around trying to figure out, you know, what we're going to do each day and how to navigate the new challenges we face each day, is this seem to be happening so frequently among municipalities where they're getting these surprise visits from OSHA? Right, uh, Megan, it's a, it's a great question because I asked myself that, that same question when I started um, just hearing about more of our public entity clients, uh, our villages, our towns, our counties were being visited by Illinois OSHA. So I, I, I called up the Illinois OSHA office and, and asked just that. And because in my experience, I haven't seen this many inspections being you know, taken place for decades. And, uh, you know, an OSHA inspection would be something that would be uh, few and far between. So what happened really was Governor Pritzker uh, came, uh, was elected. And when he did get elected, he basically fully funded uh, the Illinois OSHA plan. And essentially, OSHA went from um, about four inspectors throughout the state of Illinois and bumped all the way up to nine inspectors. So we see this you know, really big increase in the number of inspectors out there on a regular basis. And including those nine inspectors, we also have approximately 12 other individuals at the uh, Illinois Department of Labor at, at Illinois OSHA who also have uh, safety duties. These are folks like industrial hygienists and safety consultants. All of those people that are at the Illinois OSHA office can act as inspectors and, and just really multiply what the Illinois office is, uh, Illinois OSHA office is able to do. So that corresponds into more visits. Um, there are only two regions, uh, two inspection regions for uh, Illinois OSHA. There's a north region and there's a south region. Um, about a third of the state falls into the north uh, region and, and the rest is uh, on the south. So those uh, inspectors and folks are, are getting out, uh, if you will, and they're knocking on doors and uh, wanting to, uh, to help our public entities. So, Dane, under, under what circumstances should an entity expect that OSHA might visit them? Right. I, I think, um, you know, unfortunately, most of the time that we're going to have an experience with Illinois OSHA, it's done on a, what I'll say, a reactionary basis, um, where we're, we're being presented by either a, a few circumstances. So, I mean, rarely is it ever on the proactive side that we say that we invite OSHA with open arms and to come into our facility, but those circumstances do exist. So I'll, I'll kind of outline a couple of them uh, or, or the four circumstances where OSHA would, would make a visit. And one, and, and the first one is what's called a, a surprised or you know, unannounced OSHA inspection. And it's exactly what it sounds like. And it means that somebody from, uh, Illinois OSHA is going to arrive at your door 
and they're going to present some uh, Illinois OSHA credentials and say that they would like to inspect the facility. Um, it's interesting that even during those surprise inspections, it's, it's even specifically stated for those inspectors that they're forbidden from providing advance notice of those inspections. So they will always be a surprise uh, visit. And there's That's probably one. little chance that they're showing up with cake and balloons, right? Not that kind <laughs> of surprise. I, I have yet to see that. Okay. Yes, correct. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> right. Me too. Um, so that's the first circumstance where you have a surprised unannounced inspection. And then you have um, an inspection that's going to be the result of a complaint. And this would be a, you know, normally an employee generated complaint. So an employee will confidentially contact OSHA. And usually this is done by going online, perhaps, and, and seeing the, the number that they can call and if they have a complaint about a safety concern in the workplace, uh, that might be related to uh, maybe an indoor air quality issue, or you know, they may feel that they're not being provided the, the necessary personal protective equipment that they need to perform their job safely. So if they provide this complaint, OSHA will review that, and that, will, that could also result in OSHA paying a visit. And management would not necessarily be aware of that. Uh, but they will be once, um, obviously, they present themselves, the OSHA inspector, and uh, starting to get to the, to the bottom of the, and the nature of the complaint. So that's really the, uh, the second circumstance. Uh, the third would be uh, as a res result of a, a catastrophic or even a, a, a fatality, if you will. And so there are you know, requirements um, within Illinois OSHA that that um, workplace fatalities need to be reported to them. And there's some other ones, which I think we can kind of go through here. But if OSHA is notified of those, you know, serious catastrophic injuries or a fatality, then they will uh, respond accordingly and they'll come out and visit and conduct an investigation. So that's the third. And then the fourth is what I'll call the more proactive um, way you might interact with Illinois OSHA. And that is a consultative or voluntary uh, action where you call up OSHA and say, we'd, we'd like to have your, your eyes on our workplace. And if, would you come in and please uh, provide us a, uh, an OSHA uh, assessment? And so they, they will be happy to come out and, uh, and do that. And it's, it's not a, uh, I highly recommend it actually because it's free of charge. And they can come out and uh, review your, your OSHA policies or procedures and do a walkthrough and uh, provide you that, uh, that consultation. So those are the you know, four circumstances where you're going to see an Illinois OSHA inspector present um, at any given time. Okay, Zane, let me stop you right there because I think I heard you correctly. We would invite OSHA in and they're going to point out the things that we're not doing right or give us a high five if we are doing things right. Are we, do we stand to gain violations um, if, if we were to invite OSHA in? Um, that, I mean, I know we want to keep people safe and, and that's our number one goal, but um, I don't know. Tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the benefit of doing, I mean, you're absolutely right. You're asking, uh, you know, a regulatory enforcement agency to come into your 
to your uh, your location and, and tell you all the things that you're doing uh, wrong. Uh, that can that can uh, you know open up the door to a lot of things. But uh, the way I like to look at it is it's really that opportunity to sort of do things on your own terms um, and, and better plan for that kind of interaction with Illinois OSHA so that it's not occurring some other way. Um, and one of the other circumstances that I shared. Um, I, I have, it's rare that OSHA will come in during a consultative uh, inspection and, you know, find a bunch of violations and then feel like they need to fine you. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, w- the way my experience has been with Illinois OSHA throughout the years, and I've been in safety in Illinois for uh, over 25 years now, I rarely see the approach from Illinois OSHA to be one that that um, they're interested in uh, citations in terms of uh, monet- and placing monetary uh, value on those citations. Uh, sure, they might find some violations of, of regulations and things, but you know what? They're always going to be things that aren't exactly done right in OSHA's eyes. Um, I, I spent a career in safety and loss control and um, there's always things that uh, need to be addressed from an OSHA standpoint. The, the challenge is to try to minimize the most serious ways that employees can get injured. And, and that's the, the, the right perspective to take. So okay. having Illinois OSHA come in and do a voluntary inspection uh, can be a very good thing. And, but to be honest, I'm not seeing a lot of public entities take this approach. Uh, I have done this myself in uh, with past uh, in past lives, and uh, I, I found the experience to be very worthwhile. And it also kind of puts you in the good graces of Illinois OSHA because they know that you're working, you know, toward their safety goals, um, and it can be a very good thing. Actually, this is something that Warrenville is looking at doing because of. Uh, just again, hearing about neighboring communities having these surprise unannounced inspections. We're a small, smaller community. We have, you know, just under 100 employees. Our HR department is really essentially an HR department of one. So having someone show up and say, surprise, we're here to do a full day inspection with no notice and you know, uh, be able to assign a resource and take them away from whatever other work is needing to be done that day. Uh, doesn't seem to be the best approach for us. So we have considered actually doing the uh, consultative approach as a way to figure out, are there things that we're missing um, and doing it in a proactive way to essentially avoid the surprise visit. I think that's great. It's great that you folks are uh, considering that. So, so Dean, let's, let's, let's walk into a day in the life of a surprise OSHA visit. What, how does it start? What do you expect when they walk in the door? What, what's the first thing that happens? Um, well, it's interesting. Just not long ago, um, I was um, participating in an online safety committee for one of our clients. And as we were uh, conducting that meeting, coincidentally, a call comes through to the village manager and, and he says, um, well, we need to stop our meeting short because OSHA is at the door. Oh, geez. So uh, very coincidental. We're in a safety committee meeting and, and OSHA stops by. Um, but that's, you know, it, you never know when they're going to, to 
come to the door and announce themselves. And, and that's exactly what they need to do is announce themselves. They can't just start wandering through your facility and location. Um, they, they don't have that, um, that direction to do that. So they need to present to whether it's your, your main office, that's usually the case. Uh, even if they're going to go over to the public works department, I think you'll find that they'll normally present themselves at a, at a village hall and they'll ask for the appropriate person who they can sit down with and announce themselves. They will provide uh, credentials uh, that'll be in the form of an ID. Uh, in the past, Illinois OSHA inspectors used to have actually a badge and uh, sometimes that would really intimidate and scare people, but I, I don't know that that's really occurring anymore. But they'll provide their, their uh, credentials and they'll ask for what's called an opening conference where they'll sit down and kind of lay out uh, the groundwork for the things that they're looking for. And uh, once they do that in the opening conference, then they'll uh, conduct a walk around. Um, normally that's done at, uh, at a public works facility, uh, for instance, or perhaps a fire department. Um, you know, OSHA is really interested in, in your places where you have the greatest exposure. And a lot of times that is a public works department or a fire department based on the nature of the activities that are being conducted for that public entity. Some public entities don't have fire departments. So uh, it really is kind of dependent um, on that. Um, I really Will recommend. And, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, they come in and say, you know, we got a phone call. Susie says she's breathing in open chemicals. <laughs> Can we talk to Susie? Or how does that how does that come up? Do they protect the employee's anonymity? Do they reference a specific complaint? Um, how well, that, does it if it's one of those complaint based visits? Yeah, that's a good uh, a good question to bring up um, because when an employee does submit a complaint, their complaint is considered confidential, and so they they will definitely protect uh, that individual's name. They will certainly talk with that individual and they will talk with other employees as well to corroborate, um, you know, whatever the complaint is about. So uh, management may be a little bit um, in the dark, at least initially, about what's the nature of the complaint. So I wouldn't be surprised if right off the bat you're, you're trying to figure out what, what's going on here um, and, and who, which employee made the complaint. Now, will they say this is a surprise visit or this is a complaint based visit or we're just here? We're here. No, it's a great point. They will absolutely announce at the time they walk into the door, whether this is a surprised, um, uh, unannounced visit or if this is a, a result of a complaint. So they will let you know which one that is. Okay. So now you've gone through the whole kit and caboodle. You've had your pre-conference. You've walked around. Um, there have, you've had the closing conference. They report with the findings. Um, what, well, how long do we have to respond to these findings? And are we at risk for big fines or closure? Or I, I'm Honestly, I'm thinking of Ghostbusters right now. When the guy comes in from City Hall and he shuts them down and then they <laughs> release the ghosts. I mean, that's, that's my... Um, that's what's in my uh, mind right now. Exactly. Well, I love that movie, too. And um, so when that inspector comes in, you know, they're going to ask for that laundry list of, of things. Um, and that's going to be, you know, 
your, your safety manual. Uh, they're going to want to take a look at that. But probably first and foremost, they're going to want to look at uh, your OSHA logs, your OSHA 300A log and your OSHA 300 logs, because they want to know where your employees have suffered injury. And those logs will share that with that inspector. I mean, that inspector doesn't really know anything about you until they walk into the door. And so they need to immediately obtain that information. So having that information available right off the bat will tell that inspector a lot because you're supposed to have that at the ready. Um, and not only for an inspector, but it need your OSHA 300 log is something that should you know, be posted uh, in common areas so that your employees know um, uh, where your injuries are occurring. So they'll look at things like injury logs and your safety programs. Uh, they'll ask you what type of um, safety training plan and execution you have. Um, they'll ask about safety inspections and, and, and maybe even prior Illinois OSHA uh, inspections that you've had. So, you know, just in mentioning all of these things that they might be looking at, there are going to be gaps. There's going to be things that, that you just aren't able to provide at the time of the inspection. There may be things that are, you know, real imminent safety hazards, which they will let you know right away of. Um, in, in my experience, to, if you don't have some of the information that I that I just kind of went through you know, right off the bat, they'll give you uh, a reasonable period of time to collect it. Usually it's, you know, a couple of weeks, um, depending on when that is, to allow you to kind of assemble that information. And then once they issue, you know, their findings and if there's any citations or violations or anything like that, um, they're going to give you 30 days to, um, to respond. And so that, that's generally what I'm seeing is they're going to give you 30 days. Okay. Now, so, for any, I'm sorry, Christina, but for any of our listeners, and this certainly doesn't include me, who are listening and thinking, what is an OSHA 300 log? Where do I find out more about that? Um, that would be on their website, correct? Correct. Um, the OSHA, the, the best way to get information about what your reporting requirements is through actually the, you could go to the Illinois OSHA website or the federal OSHA website. The requirements are the same uh, for what you need to have and have available. Um, and, and a lot of times I, I'm actually having a lot of requests right now from folks about how do I, uh, how do I prepare an OSHA 300A log? And, and what that log does is basically provides a summary of the injuries that have occurred uh, at your um, entity over the last year. And that log needs to be um, posted every year between February 1st and April 30th. And as the, the law states, it needs to be placed in a conspicuous location. So a break room, a common area. And you need to do that for each one of your departments so that the employees there know um, how folks have been injured at the workplace. So they really, that's one of the first things they look at is show me your 300 logs. Um, and so that's what a lot of public entities are doing right now, given the timing of the year. Right. And so Megan, I think we could, um, I can send you the link because there is a, they have a pretty good packet on the OSHA website that includes all the details and all the fillable forms uh, with instructions about how to fill out the form. So we can include that maybe as a link in the podcast for anyone who's looking for that information. 
Great. Um, I didn't want to cut you off before. Was that what you were going to say earlier, Christina? No, uh, I was going to ask Dane in terms of the 30 day response time, is that, does that change when you do a um, consultative review with OSHA? Do you have, you know, more time? Are they more flexible with your um, ability to respond to their findings since it's not being done um, sort of in a punitive way after the fact? That's been my experience. They're, they're much um, more working on in a, in a collaborative way. Uh, and, and, you know, in so much as, you know, they identify issues during that, that volunteer uh, inspection, they'll also offer um, ways that they can assist either through additional consultation. Uh, they can perhaps provide you training uh, for certain topics. Uh, they have, you know, in-person, uh, you know, trainers and folks who could come out and, and do some of that training. So it kind of opens the door for a host of resources that um, I think is very valuable. Um, and while we're not doing a great deal of uh, in-person training right now, um, you know, we will get out of the pandemic and these restrictions. So it, it would be a nice resource to have. So that might be a benefit to being a little bit proactive. And, and while I get that there might be some feelings of, I don't know if I want to invite OSHA to come in and tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. Um, it seems like that option might allow you one to plan a little bit better and work with the person coming in to figure out what it is that you need to pull in terms of information and have ready for them. And then also there's a little bit more leniency on the back end to and flexibility to work with you to resolve whatever issues they find versus, uh, you know, that 30 day turnaround time to respond and, and make good on whatever, whatever issues they find. Absolutely. Under a surprise or unannounced inspection. Absolutely. And, you know, there's also other resources too that, that you can go to, um, you know, oftentimes your insurance broker or whatever safety professional that you are using uh, can come out and provide those services. Sometimes those, in, those services are included in your, um, your existing insurance broker agreement that you might have. Uh, your third party administrator might have, um, some safety professionals who can come out, but, you know, sometimes those, those uh, fees are unbundled and they cost, you know, additional, but, but sometimes they don't depending on who your partner is. So, you know, just look at all the avenues, uh, but it's a good time to, to plan for this. Okay. Thanks, Dane. And one more thing I just want to point out to our listeners, as you were talking about um, the consultative review, I did do a quick Illinois OSHA search and on their homepage, right on the right hand side menu, there is a request to consultation where you can fill out an online form. So it seems like a pretty easy process to at least initiate the consultative review if someone's interested in doing that. Excellent. That's great. And I always think, um, you know, the, uh, when we look back on how we've spent this time of social distancing and uh, self-quarantine at times, um, I think it's how we've spent that time that's really going to make the difference. So if we can do something proactive during this time where we've largely been reactive for about 12 months now, I think that's a good thing. No question. And, and just to add, you know, something, um, my experience so far with the Illinois OSHA inspectors during our pandemic restrictions, you know, they still have the expectation that, that training should continue. Um, and, and even though we're not doing in-person trainings um, and having groups gather together to perform those trainings, um, there are a, a lot of other resources that, yes, are, are mostly online based, 
but we can we can cover a lot of our compliance oriented um, requirements via the online options that uh, that you may get through your third party claims administrator, through your insurance broker. And again, mostly those classes and those trainings through your online platforms um, are usually all value added uh, services. And so there are ways to get to meet your your especially your training obligations. Um, and, you know, those those portals have great resources on uh, policy and procedure templates and things like that, that you can update your your manual that hasn't, uh, you know, that maybe has a little bit of dust on it. So lots of uh, great resources out there. Wonderful. Well, that's all the time we have for the show today. I want to thank Dane Mall from Alliant for joining us. Um, Dane, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you or if they'd like more information on this topic, how can you be reached? Well, I'd be happy to, to help uh, folks out if they have additional questions. Um, my email is uh, Dane, that's D-A-N-E dot Mall, M-A-L-L, at Alliant.com. Fabulous. Um, and if our listeners have anything that they want to say, you know we're listening. You can send us a recorded voice message we can play on a future episode. Shoot me or Christina an email. Let us know what you thought about this. Connect with us through the website at www.ipelra.org. And of course, on Twitter at I-P-E-L-R-A. Support IPELRA by becoming a member. We are dedicated to providing training and resources to HR and labor professionals in local government. Join us next time as we're joined by Roxana Underwood from Clark Baird Smith to discuss the duty to bargain over body cams, uh, and a piece of the legislation in that Senate bill that just passed, the police reform bill. I'm Megan Falera. And I'm Christina White. And this has been Real Time with iPelra. Thanks so much for joining us. 